Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, I'm Grigic, and today with me is Caroline Williams. She is the founder for the Do Good Only Company. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Amir. No problem at all. Uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, also how you got to start the uh, start the company? Um, I'd be happy to. Uh, uh, almost two years ago, July 2018, we started. Um, I started the Do Good Only Company, and prior to that, I had spent 20 plus years working, hustling in tech uh, in one way or another. Tech was either at some parts of my career, it was a full-time job, and other parts of my career, it was a job that had a really good hourly wage, but I had another part-time job on the side. Um, and it really, through all of those years, really raised the awareness for me that um, being the only person in the room that looks like me, or being being the only person that doesn't have a degree in computer science in the room, or being someone who hadn't finished college, or how did, how, how was I ever going to get to a point where I would have time to learn and and study and grow and work all at once, and then still being involved in communities and things, uh, getting more people access to technology and 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 see opening that path for them, sort of all came together. Um, I had been uh, working at Microsoft Netherlands, and my last project was well, as any reorganization goes in a large corporation, was uh, turning into, um, was ending. And the conversation was, well, we can find you a recruiter to move forward um, in the company because you've been with the company for a long amount of time. And I was like, no, I'm doing what I'm doing now with uh, building a digital skills program, and I love it, and I'm going to keep doing it. And that was sort of really the catalyst uh, for starting the Do Good Only Company and making sure that we were creating not only the opportunity for people to access technology, but also networks and also the ability to learn and opening up what all of the things that I had experienced and been fortunate to be part of, of bringing that to another group of people and mm. letting them then build inclusive communities going further around technology. Yeah, because you've been with Microsoft for a while, as you said. Mm. Uh, and I, I mean, a lot of people would say, or a lot of people will say, I want to be with Microsoft, like even longer than, uh, than you were uh, at the time. But what kind of sparked that like to really start doing these kind of these kind of do good things in a sense, or the, these programs to do with these skills. Well, what kind of sparked that? Um, well, a year before I left, I had a fantastic manager also named Caroline. Um, and I'd never had a manager with the same name. So that was already, <laughs> you know, a really great point um, for us to connect on. And she had noticed, um, she, was an, she is an exceptional people manager and had noticed that I really had a restlessness. Uh, I was doing a lot of community work on the side, code camps for women, you know, reached um, doing things where trying to create more LGBTQ access, things like diversifying let's mm -hmm. say, the, the pool of talent, but also working with um, people who fall also outside in the levels of society that we think could make it because yeah. the education system is pretty uh, rigid. And she saw that I really want, I really needed a way to combine all of those things in my daily work mm -hmm. um, because I was 
I was searching like a lot of people do after a, after a significant amount of time to what is my next step? What am I going to do next? How am I going to create um, an impact? And there was a time, there was a, at the time she uh, sponsored me for a, the, a year-long project to create a digital skills program uh, for the Netherlands. Mm. And it was fantastic. And um, it took a lot of effort on her behalf. And it's what really set me on the path towards doing this now every day. I had so much fun doing it and building it there that there was, there was no other way that I could go into go back to not doing it, you yeah. know, to, to go into a, a, a regular sort of tech leadership or consulting role and, and just doing that, you yeah. know, I needed to keep building and I needed to uh, build on that energy. And that's where, how it, how it really started. Yeah. You got a taste for it. And then I did, I did. <laughs> you and, just started doing it. And you know, when the reorganization happened or two reorganization happened, and by then I had a different manager, uh, it wasn't, I remember sitting in the room with HR and it took me 30 seconds to make the decision, if even that long. Mm. It was just such a visceral gut reaction that this is your time to jump and, and to, to, to just jump out the airplane door and go for it. Mm. And it's been, you know, an interesting journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. in the, especially, um, but I, I love what we're doing and i love what my company is doing and i love the impact that we're having yeah. every day yeah. and i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine trading that in to go back into corporate back or, into yeah, yeah i really i really i really couldn't which is a very powerful motivator if you're an entrepreneur as well um to that some people are like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, your business could go bankrupt or, all other, or you could not have an impact. And, and then there's always that little, that little uh, pressure. Or you could have to go back to working for someone else. You know, <laughs> and then that's, that's really sort of the, oh, we're not going to do that. Yeah, uh, I, I understand that completely. So what, what, uh, if you could explain to the listeners, uh, what, what does the company do? So what does your company do? Yeah, so we're a social enterprise focused on digital inclusion. And we do that um, in a couple of different ways. We help organizations actually make those steps to inclusion what we call practical inclusion mm -hmm. because diversity is an overused term and inclusion is a day-to-day -day practice and inclusion is a series of actions so we do a degree of that um, we do a degree around a degree of business around technology with regards to data science data analytics devops the traditional sort of world of technology, but the difference is, is that we do it with our team that is, well, most of our technical talent is female cool. or from another underrepresented background. And so we do it with, an, we, we literally walk the example, this is what you can do with a team that is this inclusive and diverse. This is what you can create. Mm -hmm. Hoping to stimulate other organizations to look at their own IT teams and their larger teams and think about the next time they're looking to add talent to, instead of following the traditional paths, looking, deliberately looking outside and saying, what can somebody bring to my team who 
doesn't match who we've hired all this time before. Mm -hmm. And then our hearts work, or what I would say is our day-to-day work, is we run a program called the Skills Up Lab. And that's a um, program that teaches practical data science and data analytics to people from all backgrounds. And they follow a four-month technical curriculum with us and with what we call power skills along the way. And then at the end of their four-month technical training, they step over to a paid traineeship with us Mm -hmm. um, if we haven't found them other work in the meantime. And this makes a huge difference for getting people into technology or getting sometimes it's people who are returning to the workforce after a long time. And yep. they need, they need what in the U.S. is called a returnship sort of experience to get used to it again to bring their skills um, to, and for some people it's a matter of them being able to stay longer at the employer that they have because they have new skills. They're coming in with you know, they know what to do with Python um, mm. and they know how to make really cool visualizations. For other people. It's their first job in the Netherlands because they came in through uh, migration, through the Stadshouders um, program. Yeah. And that, so we, we do this with a very conscious eye on making today's workforces savvier in terms of technology and using data and responsibly and ethically and having, creating a platform where more companies benefit from having a more inclusive workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instead of trying to make one place great, we want to spread those or plant those seeds in multiple organizations. Okay. Um, and that's how, that's our, uh, that's our main, those, that's what we're busy with today. <laughs> uh, I should say we've got plans for the future, but that's what holds us busy today is really working on making IT more inclusive today. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I, I've noticed myself. Uh, I've always wanted to have like uh, female team members <laughs> for some reason. I mean, I, I, I always feel that that would bring uh, more of a dynamic in a sense than just male developers and that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, where uh, it, it brings it, it brings a kind of way of thinking that maybe I'm generalizing now, but maybe males don't have, right? Some kind of empathetic thinking, more empathetic thinking than maybe maybe a male has or whatever, right? It's it's really it's really interesting to to kind of see that dynamic. I've also seen it with uh, just different backgrounds, right? Uh, I'm I'm from a different background than any any others in the in the Netherlands or something like that, and I, I feel that that way of thinking uh, can help out because especially if it's just one type of person in inside of a team or whatever, right? It kind of breaks that uh, breaks that mold. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned about the traineeships, I think traineeships are undervalued in a sense where um, a lot of um, a lot of people are like, uh, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do an internship." And I'm like, "You want to get into this this world of of tech? You need to you need to start somewhere, right? Even if it it doesn't pay you a full salary or whatever." That kind of experience cannot be bought, right? You can, you you just need to experience it, as it it's called experience, right? Uh, but th- those are kind of things that I'm um, I feel like uh, a lot of people kind of miss. They're like, okay, I'm uh, for example, I I migrated to this country, I want to get into tech, and they're like, I, I want to get to work as fast mm-hmm. as possible instead of thinking, okay, how can I make a start, and then I can go 
and see if I can get a job in that field or maybe the field isn't even for me right? you don't even know that right it, it's some things that are I think that's good for, about this this kind of setup right where you're uh, where you're doing it like okay trainee uh, training and then kind of a traineeship or whatever so who who does the who does the actual training for the yeah. for the people so before I jump into that I want yeah. to address something that's very critical yeah about what you just said about between internships and traineeships yeah internships carry an age boundary with them in this country yeah so it's the idea that you're a university student or you have finished i don't a, see it that way but it right, does, I don't, does work but, that but i i this is where this is an i don't i don't see it either that way but this is where this is an important thing yeah. because we see people who are wanting to transition to technology running into that barrier every time where when they go to share their skills whether they're part of yeah. whichever program they're part of then the feedback is from organizations yes but you're not at the right age yeah you're not you're in your 30s or whatever right yeah. so we very consciously with our traineeships which are paid traineeships and they are they are they pay more than an outkeering does. So yeah. there is an incentive. We are building someone's, um, we are building someone's uh, economic self. Uh, self-reliance. Yeah. Self-reliance as well. And really providing a path out. This is key having those traineeships because you and I both know we're techies. We yeah. learn by doing. Yeah. And you learn that by learning on the job. And that is, and you learn you have to be able to apply and, and apply the concepts and in lifelong learning, certainly. Um, but those, I did want to call that out because it's, it's, it's a very important point for also for employers to look at where is the benefit for them yeah. and more traineeships, especially in a difficult labor market where you have more jobs than you have people available. Traineeships are an excellent way for anyone to continue to learn. And you get to know someone as well on a on a personal level. It's just not it's not just the kind of hard skills that someone will get from an internship, traineeship, however yeah. you want to call it. But it's more of um, it, I always say it like this. I mean, usually I when I when I hire, for example, and when I look at people that I want to have on the team, I look at like, okay, what is their capability to learn? Yeah. Uh, where are they at? I mean technical skills don't even matter that much yeah. uh, it, they need to have an interest in technology mm -hmm. because you're doing something in technology i mean yeah. if you don't in, if you're not interested in technology don't do the job right because you're not going to make it in in that sense but if you have that if you have that curiosity to it, towards it and you like it and you have the ability to learn and you're I always say you need to be kind of hungry, right? Yeah. You need to be you hungry. Do. You need to be you hungry do. for 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 learning these kind of new yes. things and seeing because that's also something like okay, if you you get the job, you land the job, you're a developer, right? It doesn't stop there. No. It's not like you're going to stop learning because you you need to keep up. It, it's not going to happen uh, and overnight. Then, and uh, so bringing that back into that coaching perspective also. Yeah. So I the way we're structured, we have uh, so I do technical coaching as well. Like uh, we have, and then we have Sumana is my other technical coach. Then mm. we have a coach who's focused on data analytics and visualization, and that is Monica. And then Bjorn is our job coach. Mm. So he he started in IT and then transitioned over to all of the job coaching parts of it cool. because he really um, found that that was the way that he that spoke to his impact. And yeah. Sumana came from. 
the first program when I did it, uh, when I had built this, when I was still in Lonedanced. Yeah. And Monica came from the second program when I was independent. And with our what we do, then all of our trainees that come through from each cohort, so we're now in cohort four, the trainees from the cohort before, part of their weekly um, work that they're paid for is to train the next cohort. So they're because cool. they continue to learn and because they've now, you know, they've learned to apply uh, machine learning, you know, in a different way and in, a, in, in, in some real world scenarios, they can bring that back and make it relevant. And by doing that, um, because we are all learning from each other and each other's strengths, we also are very clearly building a long term community and network of yeah. people with data science skills, which maybe next year they will branch out and figure out how to move forward into AI concepts because there's all this emphasis on AI, which is exciting, but people forget that the basis of AI is data. Hmm. And if you don't have people who can work with data, then you're, you're climbing an even a sharper yeah. curve. Yeah. So we create a co-learning community. And we, I mean, we have the coaches that are responsible, if you will, but it's that motivation also of our community to help teach each other. Yeah. So no one is more of an expert than someone else in the sense that they can't stand up in the lab on and say, I want to, I want to give a session on, you know, digging into SQL, or I want to give a session on which visualizations not to use, yeah. you know, things like that. Why never to use a pie chart? So yeah, so they they also learn these kind of skills like public speaking and stuff like that. Yes. I can imagine because I I, I had that uh, someone asked me that before uh, maybe a month or two ago. They were like, okay, what what do you think is like the most important skill that you need to have? And I'm like, you really need to be know you need to know how to speak in public, right? That's the that's I always say that's kind of the number one thing you need yeah. to learn as a as a technology person. Everybody's like, why, right? Exactly. Uh, and I'm like. You need to be able to one explain your concept, right? What mm-hmm. have you learned? What are the what are the things that you that you really like? You you try to do something, right? And you want to explain it to someone. You need to know how it works. You need to be able to explain that. If you don't, if you can't explain it, what what good does it have, right? You know it, and that's it. Uh, and especially when they go and work somewhere or whatever, they need to learn someone else. Yes. So that's also it, it's one of the things we call those power skills. Mm. Um, and we have nine days, nine to ten days in every cohort, every four month window that we run them and we actually do the first week before we ever get started with anything related to technology is power skills and it's like you know building your team knowing your strengths story and and over the whole series it's things like storytelling um repairing and sustaining relationships transitioning to a work floor or to that's sorry that's dutch <laughs> work floor but, yeah, yeah. Um, transitioning to a new career how do you how, what are the unspoken yeah. rules and we do this the fun part with the power skills um is we also open that up to we sit in Bureau Eindracht, which is above the Heilige Bonches Cafe yeah. in, in Rotterdam. It's the in the center of Rotterdam. Yeah. yeah. And we open our power skills days to the young people who are going through the Heilige Bonches program. Mm. Because that's a way of also increasing their impact because eventually they're also going to need to transition to other work, right? And they need to know how to interview and they need to know how to tell your story and how Absolutely. to tell the story like with data sometimes with data the story that you're going to have to tell is not what the business is wanting to hear because people have have pre 
created that. How do you also make sure that you're leading from wherever you are in an organization? What is personal leadership? And these power skills are that I actually think that um, they are our longest term gift that we, an investment that we can make in our cohorts because these they will take with them from career step to career step to career step. The technology will change and they'll continue to learn. But the power skills make the biggest difference in their lives. And when we go back and ask them, you know, afterwards when they're finished, the feedback we get is, you know, people are, are say that I said, you know, when people say how much I've changed in the past six months or the past eight months, it's, it's all related to the power skills. And, um, we think that's also really, really, really critically important. Yep. That's, that's a, that's also something that you can then teach in your environment, right? You can be a model for other people around you who may not know how to tell the story, prop- their story properly, yep. or yep. or how to to message that. Yeah, you'll you'll be surprised how many people, and uh, I, I know a lot of people that uh, come to me and they're, they're like, yeah, how do how do you how do you do these kind of presentations? You the way you're doing them, and I'm like. I had to learn it as well, right? A few years ago, you couldn't have paid me to stand in front of a group yeah. and tell someone uh, something, right? It's just you need to expose yourself to it yeah. uh, and also just have a, an open group. Uh, for, for example, if you want to get into public speaking, because I, I, I love that topic so much. Uh, when you're starting out, nobody is really good at it, right? No. There are some people that have a little bit of talent of in mm-hmm. communication and stuff like that, but nobody's really good at it. Yeah. Um, and what you'll see is just start off with, with a small group, right? A small group of people you already know for years or something like that, or at least for a few months. And you're like, I'm just going to do this presentation in front of you. Just give me the pointers, right? Where, where, where am I, where am I like lacking or what, what, what do I need to change? Right. Where do I need to, and then, then you, you'll get better just by doing it. Right? You get better with anything by doing it. Yeah. So we encourage our participants also, I'm like, during, their to- during the technical training, but also in the traineeships, we're very active with what kind of, we host meetups, you know, mm. come and come cool. for an evening and learn about the last one we had in November had to do with um, everything from uh, um, scientific a noise reduction in the time series to visualizations you should never use you know that, that <laughs> and and the idea is is that you get more comfortable um being able by doing it i mean i had and stuff has to go wrong i mean i can't count the number of times that i had to give a demo you know and something wouldn't start up especially in the days when laptops were not where you walked around around with a laptop that had 16 gigs of ram in it and that was something that weighed probably close to you know easily 12 kilos not including the enormous transformer (laughs) that had to go with it and you learn because when stuff goes wrong Mm. and you are able to recover and keep going through it, that adds to your expertise and it adds to your knowledge and it adds to your ability, even though at that moment you're like, I really wish that the floor would just open up and I could disappear <laughs> into it right Everybody now. has had that. Yeah. yeah, but those are the things, that's that kind of resilience, that resilience, which is key, especially... Um, Especially, it's a, resilience is key for all human beings, but especially if you're go, entering into a workforce where you don't fit 
the 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 typical stereotype. The typical yeah. stereotype. Yeah. That resilience is key because when you look at statistics, it's so much of what's impacting technology in terms of inclusion is a leaking pipeline. Mm. Right? You after so many years, um you leave and you don't go back. And it's and, and it's that pipeline that's leaking everywhere. It's like the same thing like with for um, the statistics around women in technology is that 50% of women leave technology after 10 years. Yeah. And they don't, and of that 50%, a, a good half of that never comes back to have anything to do with technology, right? Why, why is that? I, I don't know. I don't know that much about the statistics, but what, what are some of the kind of reasons that, that they leave? Well, a lot of it has to do with the way we look at talent and the mm. way we identify talent. Sure. So in the early stages of a career phase where everyone is kind of eager to run and go and and go, 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 then everyone's kind of a high performer, right? Yeah. Everyone is sort of seen as you you give your life, you, you'll give your life for the for the company and 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 all of those things but yeah. as priorities shift and change um and especially around the early 30s when young women at that time are 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 stepping out because they're they're choosing to have families that's when decisions are also being made and identified for promotion and leadership mm. so then you have you have a gap. You have a gap. And then if you return to work at the point that your children are um, ready for you to be able to go and return to work, then the positions that you're coming back for, because you've had a gap, are lower. Yeah. And, or they're lower in time. And then there's the societal expectations around us as well. For example, we, we have our labs in person three days a week and two days digitally. And Wednesdays is consciously a, a day that we choose not to have a lab day because we know that in this country, the school system and expectation is often that the mother will go and pick up the child because Wednesday yeah. is a half day. Yeah. And that interferes with your ability to train, right? So we we consciously from the beginning made a choice to say, okay, Wednesdays will always be a digital day so that ah. people who do have, whether they're mothers or fathers, have a caretaking responsibility, they can still participate without that impacting mm. it. So it's kind of like there's, there and when it's also what's in our organizations if you look in an organization an organization could say we're tremendously diverse we have 30% women we have 50% people who come from a, a different uh, ethnic background but then when you look at the you look at the the management layers and the and the leadership layers and you it's all the They're same demographic yeah. then you're like okay this is this is not inclusion this is for whatever reason the environment, the status quo that you're holding on to is serving you for a reason that you've decided it's serving yeah. you. I don't know what that is for you. You have to decide. But that's not creating a pathway to change. Yeah. And that's not creating um, an awareness and an opportunity. You see it. People navigate to companies where they feel that there's an opportunity for them to grow and to be themselves. Yeah. And yes, there's the part with benefits, pay, and all the rest of that stuff. But at the end of the day, people want to feel like they belong. Mm. And they want to feel like there's a place for them there. Yeah, they need to feel safe. Yeah. And if, exactly. And, they need, and if you don't ever see anyone who looks like you in the leadership yeah. or an actively 
or even active. You don't have a role model and stuff like that, right? No, and then yeah. you then then you then you also have a we um, our our job coach and I we have a, we have a lot of discussions around inclusion in in our places. You can yeah, imagine. of course. And um, Bjorn raised the point the other day because we were having this conversation. He goes, somebody asked him, "Why don't you look at?" the messaging around companies around their inclusion and he said well because it's very simple i'll look at who's in their who's in the in their lighting <laughs> in, the theme, in, their, yeah. in their in their structure that they identify as uh, our yeah. team yeah. and he goes and if it's all one sort of type of person he goes then i know very quickly that it's a messaging thing and then we're the the reality they don't really believe it that the reality yeah. that they're going to look at talent differently yeah. and and is is slim mm. and when you're a startup you got to be smart about your resources and your time yeah so it's in our you you've got to be able to make those kind of decisions it's in, again inclusion is a practice it's an yeah. act every day of multiple different things you don't just get there because you say you want to be or we hire diversely yeah, yeah, and uh, that's also the thing. I mean, diversity just to be diversive is also not the best thing ever, right? I mean, uh, just because nobody wants to be told that they yeah. were hired because they're the diversity yeah. hire. Yeah, but th nobody but that, wants to hear that. Yeah, but that, you, that's what happens sometimes, right? Where where companies are like, yeah, okay, we need to diversify, but then they're not asking themselves like, why, right? Yeah. Uh, why why do you want to do that? It's not, and it shouldn't be a goal. On itself, just yeah. uh, we want to be diverse, so we're. That's not the the, the goal here. I mean, uh, but also one thing that um, I, I when you mentioned the kind of gap that uh, that women have, especially when they have the pregnancy and uh, raising their child. Um, do you also feel like people are looking at resumes too much in that sense? Where, yeah. uh, for for example, if I get a resume and I see like year or two or three or four mm -hmm. off, and then you want to get back to work again, of course you're going to ask why. Yeah. I mean, that's that's okay. But a lot of people will already be hesitant because of that gap, mm -hmm. right? They'll be like, okay, yep. that's that's not it, and that's it. Uh, I think in general, there's far too much... Uh there's far too much emphasis put on paper. Mm. Um, and I, and I recognize that there's an entire process in the industry and everything else built around, built in around these, these streams. But when you look at someone, it's like this, when you look at, this is, this is where it, whether anytime there's a career gap that makes it harder for that person to return. Mm. And we see this also, a lot of the people in our cohorts are, have a migration background, that mm. they've come to the Netherlands through the asylum process. Sure. And the current, or the, the law, or, and the procedures around it had been, first you need to come to the Netherlands, you can take out a loan to learn the Dutch language, you need to go to a, you need to go to a, a school that will teach you the Dutch language for three years, and then we'll start worrying about your career. Yeah. Okay. Perfectly good intention. Understand that learning the language is important. But what that fails to account for is then that is then creating a three to four year gap mm. on someone's CV. Yep. And as an employer where I'm already kind of maybe new to this whole inclusion thing, yep. seeing a gap with a four year, uh, seeing a CV with a four year gap, I might not even bother to ask why that person has the gap. Yeah. I'll make the assumption and move on. Yeah, you're making the assumption that someone doesn't have the ambition, doesn't want to work. Exactly, or and you don't know that. And again, this comes whether you are a woman or whether you are a man or it, however you choose to identify. 
it doesn't matter. We all have interests as human beings. We all have things we want to do and explore. We all have moments in our lives where we may need to care for somebody that, or we may have other things with our health or everything else. And that's where it comes back to really identifying career opportunities in multiple places, not just saying the talent is own the talent to be identified for growth and high potential and leadership and all of the rest of it is between the between 30 and 32, if you will. Yeah. It's looking at everyone in our organization and saying, where would you like to develop to you? What do you need? in terms of skills and knowledge acquisition to grow towards so that you can reach this goal. If we, if we shift our perspective and look at it that way, first of all, I think you will have far less churn as an employer because yep. people will feel valued. They will feel there's an opportunity for them to grow. You know, for, for women in tech, um, for example, out of my own experience, um, if, if you're in an organization and you want to grow or you want to get a promotion and you've been passed over for a number of times, how do you get that? You go to an external company mm. because an external company then looks at you and says, oh, well, I still want to have you. So I'm open to this room. Mm. You know, there is an ex and, and then so you're not adding to the population. You're just shifting again and again and again, which also has an impact on on growth if you're constantly changing companies. But that part aside. I would encourage, I think the single biggest thing that employers in the Netherlands can do for themselves to make themselves more resilient is to actively look at what is our plan for investing in development? How do we stimulate learning continually? How do we stimulate purpose? How do we create that room where people feel free to take, um, you know, the fun part about being at Microsoft was you learn never to be afraid of the big projects. Yep. You know, that's a whole different level of thinking in a lot of ways. But one of the things that when, when I worked for Microsoft in the United States that was a really big emphasis was stretch projects. Mm-hmm. And this was the idea, it's almost like a traineeship, that you, wanted, you went to go align yourself to go work on a team, whether that was virtually or otherwise, that was outside of the skill set that you had. Right. Or it was a skill set that you wanted to develop. Yeah. And some things worked really well. Some things did not. But it was a really powerful method of of also keeping people longer. Yeah. Right. Especially when competition comes knocking, you know, at the door with the recruiter that says to you. So you're pulling them out of the comfort zone, giving exactly, them challenges. And giving them a challenge and showing them that that's rewarded and showing that that risk is rewarded. If you want innovation to take place in your company, you have to have a culture that is that does not punish for risk. Yeah. You have to have a culture that does not punish for trust. Yeah. You have to have a culture that does not punish for trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. And that when you have those kinds of cultures, then that's when people come to you, want to work for you, and want to stay with you. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And then I, I also, I always say like, um, it, it's better to ask me for forgiveness than for permission uh, upfront, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it doesn't mean that you need to do everything you just want to, but um, th- there, there should be, uh, you, you should be able to, to like let your, let your, kind of mind flow in these kind of things where. Um, 
it doesn't make sense to hire a developer and then tell them how they have to develop, right? It doesn't right. make sense. Uh, but a lot of people do that. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Right? Uh, th- these people can think for themselves. Yeah. It's not like uh, if you want to keep people, you need to give them that option, right? Yeah. Give them the option like, okay, you need to develop. Well, one thing that I've noticed with uh, with a lot of companies in the Netherlands is they have this kind of cycle, right? Where Where you have the cycle of, Okay, how how did the last year go? Mm. Uh, and based on the last year, you want to grow, you want to do these kind of things, and it's all input from myself as an employee yeah. instead of also thinking about it as an employer. Like, okay, this person wanted wants to go and do this and this and this. Um, we think you should do X, Y, and Z, right? Or go as you said. Especially in bigger companies, it's easier to do that, but. Uh, go and see a different kind of department, yeah. right? S- stay in that kind of department and see it. I I've, was always say, said like, okay, if you want to know how a company works, go and uh, and work at the kind of service desk or the, yeah, the support absolutely. desk. Absolutely, like you'll get Customer you'll get contact it, every you, time. You'll get you'll get like insights that you've never had before, yeah. right? I I've I've started with um I I actually in in the current company where I work at I do it as well. Yeah. I just pick up the phone and help a client because. Uh, the the reason why I'm doing that is it, it will give me insights as well. Yeah. It doesn't seem like intuitive to do it in a sense of uh, why would someone yeah. technical pick up the phone and help a client? <laughs> However, way that that sounds weird, but it, it is it is um, it it is it helps it helps me because I know okay. I'm working on the product, so I need to know what's going yeah. on, right? What what are people asking for? Or maybe they're going to ask me something. I'm like, okay, but we really should add that because that doesn't make sense that it goes this way. Uh, and, I, 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 and that's what I like about this kind of programs where you're like, okay, push someone into something else yeah. in a different department and get, get them to, to know that kind of thing. And maybe you'll find out that you don't even like the thing you wanted to do. Which is fantastic yeah. because knowledge, you know, we, I mean, we have an advantage because we're a startup. Yeah. So, you know, resources are limited. <laughs> we got to spend them five times. <laughs> um, but where it gives us an, a tremendous advantage over a larger organization is that we have to pull together. So if when we, and it's the same thing, when we build, when our, when our cohorts transition into the traineeship, they work in multidisciplinary squads on purpose because one of them will have a business development strength and one of them will have a technical strength. And by putting them together, they're only stronger. Right. But there's this whole thing where, um, we have an open we have a very open learning culture which makes sense you know it's kind of like the way we look at it is everybody is free to take on the stretch goal that they want and furthermore if you don't feel comfortable taking on a stretch goal i will probably persuade you (laughs) until it gets to a point that you start to take some risk that's comfortable for you because we do it we we need to do it together and we also learn all of the i mean we learn all of the different strengths that each person brings and even strengths that they didn't know that they had or or, or developed it really comes down to curiosity being curious being being it's whether you're work whether you're working on our stuff or whether you're working on the data, it starts with the questions, right? It starts to being mm. open with 
what if this did this? Or how do I go from A to B? Or what yep. does this mean? Or is there a connection? It's that curiosity. And that's something that if you don't stimulate that in your, in your organization, then the growth that you will get will be limited. Yeah, yeah. Because people won't be asking the questions. And when you don't ask the questions, you don't unlock what is possible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I also like to, and I think that a lot of uh, people that work in tech should do the same, uh, at least a few times. Uh, I, I when when I see someone that goes on a kind of sales uh, kind of conversation, right? They they're going to a lead or whatever. I, I sometimes say like, okay, just bring me along. Yeah. I, I want to go along just to kind of see what happens, right? How does a, a conversation like that work? Yeah. What are the things that are being said in those kind of conversations? What you can learn from that, whatever. Absolutely. And that's that's that kind of curiosity that I think a lot of more people should have, uh, and not like think, okay, this is not this is, this has nothing to do with technology, so I'm not gonna bother with looking at it, because m- people are usually multifaceted. So they can they can do more stuff than just the technological part. They can lead a team, or they can actually help sales in whatever yeah. way that they they could, like be a technical kind of salesperson or whatever. And uh, people are just focused on, okay, I want to get better as an engineer instead of yeah. getting uh, better as a person. Right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. And that's where that curiosity comes back into play. Because mm. um, fundamentally, you know, we, 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 follow all of, we, we, we follow all these beliefs that technology has the answer for everything. Mm. Right? Well, if I have the right program to build my sales funnel and my CRM and yeah. the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, this will magically come to play and, you know, all and the culture we, will change. The culture will change and all the rest of it. But what we forget or what we don't put enough emphasis on is that it is very much the dialogue between individuals. So if you if you are a developer and you care about the product that you're building, then the best way to care about it is to see people who are using it and to to put your to sit in their, you know, lunchroom and listen to them say yeah, that's a fantastic feature that you built, but we don't use it, and this is why, yeah. you know? And to to drive that connection on on the human level. And, you know, it's it's like this is where where you can you the the you can you can buy the new you can upgrade whatever to the newest, latest, shiniest version. But if you don't pay attention to what is going on around it, you are just spending a lot of money and repeating the same stuff, but with a new wrapper. Yeah, exactly. You know, garbage in, garbage out. And the key part for all of us to develop both as, especially as people, but also as people who are learning in our field and getting better in our field all the time, is that connection. As uncomfortable as it is, it's that connection because your brain get stimulated by that that's where the that's where the 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 new ideas come from right yep. surrounding yourself only with people who all believe the same way is very comfortable and very easy when you need to come to a decision mm. right you can say okay well we all know we're going to vote yes or we're all going to vote no um and no one's rocking the boat and we're all we're going to keep doing it this way and this way and this way and we'll we think we're safe because this has worked for x amount of years yep. before until it stops working because someone hungrier, different, more curious comes in, comes along, yeah. and that's your competition in the market. Yeah. And then it's a sudden scramble with, oh, we didn't see that coming, or how did, yeah. how did we do that? And 
again, it comes back to stimulating a culture of learning and openness within yeah. your organization, regardless of your size. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm saying it to people in the team as well, where I'm like, okay, uh, it's good. It's okay to take a day or a day in 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 maybe two weeks or maybe a, a day a week even to to just try other avenues, like yeah. uh, see other st- stuff than just the project that you're working on right now, because that's the way to stimulate, right? Yeah. You're you're stimulating kind of new energy because they will look at some kind of technology or whatever and then know, okay, we could maybe build this in in some way, way or another, but they they already had that stimulus of learning something new. Yeah. Because if I look back at uh, the, the kind of hosting thing or the infrastructure thing that I did before, I was also always interested in learning the new stuff, right? Yeah. Just learning the new stuff, I didn't have to use it immediately, but that gave me new energy to go on and learn some new stuff. So, so that's... That's that's immensely important, I think. Yeah, it's the synapses. It's yeah, the reaction yeah. in our brain when yeah. neurons are fired and new connections and pathways are seen. Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, two more questions sure. before we wrap up. Um, uh, one of the questions was you alluded to some new programs and stuff like that for the future. Yeah. So wh- where do you think uh, your company will go to in the future? Where do you want it to go, actually? Oh, wow. I have so many places I would like it to go. <laughs> that is... Um, um, the running joke is if you are afraid of big ideas, don't stand in a room with Caroline because <laughs> she'll take it way further than you, than you want. But what I do, what I, one of the things that I do see is I would love to see on a national and international level and then beyond far more emphasis around lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. And I know that some countries do are, are, are tackling that very differently. Um, then than how it's being ta- handled here, where it's still very much in Kinderschooner. Yeah. Um, Child shoes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, my goal, actually, if you were to say to me, um, what would you see in the next coming years? I would love for us to be able to say that with the, the cohorts that are coming through, at some point, some of them are saying, I'm going to my community, Caroline, and I'm going to set up the skills lab here. And I'm going to serve my my community with this access to technology, access to networks, and, access to, and, and see what we can build here. That would be... That would be s- such a fantastic gift Mm. right in that sense to see that um, because we get we get uh requests of people saying can you bring it to my country can you bring it here and what we always say is come and learn with us and we will support you with building with going back because it's your community build with your community because then you are adding and enriching your community as it stands and your community is is sovereign over the knowledge and that's key because you want more again you want more places to be good places to work and more more people who are building technology yep. reflective of technology so that would be um that's first on my list and actually. every community is different by every way. community and is different that and, also means. and that also makes it relevant but then i also think we will eliminate probably a lot of some of the questions now around the ethical and responsible uses of technology because we have more people who are reflective of society working yep. with it rather than a single interest pool, rather than a single demographic where the the model is, oh, I did something and now, oops, didn't know it could be done that way. We didn't plan for that. Yeah. So for us, is my first goal 
that growth would be to create to see those inclusive data communities being recreated around the world in the communities that they belong in by people who've been through our program. Very um, cool. Which is which is cool. <laughs> it's, it's a big it's a big it's That's, a big idea. Yeah, but it, that 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 should be the thing, right? Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be just uh, something in the Netherlands and that's it, right? No. I mean, uh, it, it, you should it should spread more than than it is right now for sure. Um, and the last question, ask it all the time at the, at the end. <laughs> so y you started on this journey two years ago. Yeah. Um, what are you most proud of since you started? Um, I think it's one of the things the, that I am most proud of is the fact that everybody who works in the company, whether they're a coach or a trainee or everything else, everyone is someone who just wanted a chance to get back in the ring if you will if you'll excuse the american sort of <laughs> metaphor back in the ring yeah. go rocky but everyone and also the people who come through our course but everyone who is also now working uh, under the umbrella of the do good only company they all refuse to be held back mm. and i am so proud of their step into doing that and, and their determination and their, their taking the chance and grabbing it. If, you, if you've never had access to all of the chances, um, grabbing it can be tremendously scary. If you have always had access to all of the chances, you may not understand why grabbing the chance is so phenomenal. Mm. But I am most proud of the fact that everybody who comes through our doors has not only seen that opportunity for themselves and said that they wanted it, they've actually done it. And I can't wait to see where they go next. Amazing. Amazing. Great. I think it's a perfect way to, to end it off. Um, uh, where can uh, people find more about the, about, about the Do Good Only company on the internet? Yeah. Um, you can find us at www.dogoodonly.nl. And the Skills Up Lab program, if you're interested, is www. No, three W's. <laughs> skillsuplab.nl. Okay, great. Uh, Caroline, thanks a lot for Thank being you, here. Mayor. I really uh, enjoyed it. No problem at all. Uh, and of course, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and on all major podcasting platforms, of course. And uh, there's a newsletter. If you want to get uh, five things about the business, te technology, and leadership, you can find it on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter. I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>